This is Right From The Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor-Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? Right. As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you, encouraging you and equipping you to find your truest story in the deep places. Get our show notes and more, including a free audio download on how to safeguard your writer's heart at writefromthedeep.com. Here's what's happening at Right From The Deep. First, thanks to our patrons on Patreon. And anybody who doesn't know what that is, Patreon is a platform that enables creators to get paid. And that's really helpful because it takes time and money for us to put these podcasts together and pay for the hosting and all that. So you guys on Patreon, thank you. You help make this show possible. And anyone who's interested in that can find out more at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Right From The Deep. And a special thanks to our July sponsor of the month, Wendy L. McDonald. Not only is Wendy a writer, she also produces a weekly short inspirational podcast on Spotify called Hope Walking with Wendy. Yay, Wendy! And the link to that will be in our show notes. Indeed. And another exciting thing is that we have, as you probably know by now, a sponsorship from Novel Marketing Podcast with Thomas Umstead Jr., whom we love because he knows what he's talking about. Uh, you can find his podcast, Novel Marketing, at novelmarketing.com or in your favorite app. And so in this sponsorship, we've been bringing you Novel Marketing's 10 Commandments of Book Marketing. And this week, we're on Commandment 10, Thou shalt not be false to thine own brand. And what Thomas means by this is, and this is a quote, be true to who you are as an author. Your brand is not a photo, a logo, a genre, or a collection of fonts. It's the story you tell about yourself. More importantly, it is the story others tell about you. Look at it this way. Your brand is what readers expect of you. It's your promise to them. Readers who read your first book and love it want to buy your next book because they expect it to be like the first book. And they already know they like it. So now they want the same experience from you over and over. So commandment number 10 ensures you give it to them. So think carefully about the type of book you want to publish before you ever publish anything and make sure you're willing to stay true to that brand. For more book promotion and platform help, Listen to Novel Marketing in your favorite podcast or at, as Aaron said, novelmarketing.com. And so we've also been talking about wonders. Karen and I have been sharing them back and forth. And today is my turn to share <laughs> and stick with me, guys. <laughs> so... I was putting away the cushions of my outdoor couch. There's a box there so we can put them away. They'd been out for like a week because we had beautiful weather, but now it was going to rain. And so one at a time, I'm putting the cushions in the box and I get to the very last cushion. I pull it up and there is a large black snake underneath. <laughs> I was not excited to see the snake. Like, I don't know, three or four feet long, all shriveled up under my pillow. Now... You're going to wonder why this is a wonder, <laughs> but, but here's the deal. How often do we forget to look at all sides of that? I'm telling you, I am grateful that I was putting the cushions away instead of taking a seat to do some editing work. I do not think snakes crawling in my lap would have been good for either of 
that's okay. So it was much better that I found Chucky, and we've labeled all our snakes Chucky. They're all called Chucky. It was much better that I found Chucky before he found me. So for me, that was a wonder. That was a wonder because God protected me from something that could have been so much worse. How many times in your life do you look at something kind of bad that happened, and rather you get you get angry or upset rather than saying, wow, thank you, God, because I know that could have been worse. That's a wonder. Amen. And now, here's, here's the, the show. show. Welcome, writers. We're glad that you have joined us here in the deep. I love writers' conferences, and I believe they're a good thing, but they can also be hard because it's often at writers' conferences where writers learn for the first time something no one ever told them about the writing journey. Can you guess what that is? Well, stay tuned because we're not only going to tell you that, but we're going to tell you several other things that no one may yet have told you. Right. Here's what I read on a Facebook post by Sharon Brink. She was a writer's conference attendee, and she gave me permission to share this. She says, to be honest, I feel 30% encouraged by the content so far and 70% discouraged. With each bold step I take forward in writing, it feels like I learned the journey is 10 steps farther than I thought. All these lovely faculty are at such a further place in the journey, and their journeys are also inspiring, yet the whole growing a platform piece feels so impossibly hard. Do any other authors struggle with this? I felt like I had achieved so much. Getting my manuscript finished, branding my blog, gaining some steps in social media, finishing my proposal, but then, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) So let's clear this up for everyone. For those of you who are new writers and for those of you who've been at this even for uh, several years now, one, the journey is much harder and much longer and more convoluted and overwhelming than you know. Right. (laughs) But think about it. If you knew everything that was coming, and I mean everything that's involved in this right up front, Maybe you would have run screaming. Who knows? (laughs) It's overwhelming. We don't know what we don't know, and we learn it by going through the process. And if we knew all of it right at the beginning, we probably would never step a toe in the waters of writing. Sometimes the best thing God can do for you is leave you in the dark about all the (laughs) challenges that lay ahead in your life and on your journey. He knows what they are, and that's sufficient. He not only knows what they are, He's been there, seen that. A.W. Tozer puts it this way in a quote from his book, The Knowledge of the Holy. And I love this book, you guys. I can't recommend it highly enough. He says, God dwells in eternity, but time dwells in God. He has already lived all our tomorrows as he has lived all our yesterdays. And Psalm 139 tells us, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So what we want you to know is that there are, yes, indeed, there are challenges to this writing journey, and there will be more challenges. There will be much more than you are picturing right now. So don't let it surprise you when it happens. There isn't some magical place that you're going to arrive at where there aren't any more problems, except maybe heaven, okay? For sure heaven, right? What we encourage you to do is take each challenge in stride. Look 
back at how far God has brought you and how faithful he's been. He is not playing some trick on you by like leading you along on your journey only to abandon you on some some precipice somewhere. He's building your faith and your skills and he's teaching you to rely on him through this long, difficult, fun, great, awe-inspiring journey. So if you're prepared for the long haul, for the surprises, for difficulties, for everything to take much longer and be much harder than you thought, then you won't be caught off guard. Oh, sure, you're going to feel overwhelmed. We all do, frustrated, annoyed. But we're hoping it will take a much shorter time for you to process it all because you'll be trained to know that God is with you, that he never promised you an easy path, that he wants you to grow, and that most of all, he's going to get the glory for enabling you to do what you couldn't possibly do on your own. Right. So the next thing no one may have told you, you need a cohort, a group of writers, at the same level as you are, who are moving with you. You need peers. We are not saying you don't need mentors and teachers ahead of you to help you learn, because you do. And yes, there will be people behind you whom you should be lending a hand to. But many authors, they neglect or they fail to understand the necessity of having a group that they're traveling with. These are the writers who are maybe all having their book come out, their very first release at the same time. And you can help each other because you're all in the same place having the same experiences. Or maybe they're all just now finding out what it takes to grow a platform from small to large. And you can help each other do that as well and encourage each other. You can share blessings and woes and new ideas. You remember the scripture about two are better than one because one can pick you up when you fall? Well, those are the people who, like you, will be the writers of the future, the established veterans one day. But today, those veterans, those people ahead of you are dealing with very different problems that you haven't come upon yet. And be thankful for that. <laughs> yes. It's too early for you to be worrying about them. And the people behind you don't understand your new conflicts and problems. So they can't walk with you through them because they're not there yet. Right. So how do you find these people? Well, you go to writers' conferences. You can do that in person or online. You can see, look around, who are in the same classes that you're in. Or you can join a writing group. Group. You can start one if there aren't any. You can even consider some type of a paid mastermind, any type of a group that can help you connect with others. Now, again, it's great that writers of all levels can gather together and help each other. You do need that, but you also need the people at your own level. And you guys all grow up in the industry together. So don't feel shut out. Like when you go to some writer's conference or somewhere and you feel like there's this advanced writer's click you know, or what seems to be a closed group. Don't feel shut out. They're just dealing with their own things. Instead, focus on finding other folks that are like you, people who need connections at your level. These are the people that you're going to have the best chance of forming lasting relationships with because you're going to take on the learning curve together. Now, don't hear us saying that you're going to find a group of 10 friends and you're all going to progress at the same exact speed, okay? That's never, that's never going to work out perfectly. Some of those people are going to jump ahead. Some are going to fall behind, and that's okay too, because God is going to put them in their own streams. So just be aware that things can shift forward, backwards. You don't want to be comparing yourself, but keep looking for those people who are experiencing the same things you're experiencing 
and try to stick and learn and grow with them as best you can. And make this a topic of prayer that God will lead you to the friendships of His making, divine appointments that He sets up for you. Proverbs 12.26 says, The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. So ask God to show you who your travelers on this journey are supposed to be. Right. And Proverbs 27.9 says, Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. I love that. So keep your eyes open, you guys. You never, ever know where and when and how God is going to bring these relationships about. So the next thing no one may have told you is that even veteran writers get really hard edits filled with red ink and flaws. (laughs) They get long revision letters pointing out plot problems, character problems, POV issues, and everything that everybody always has to face as writers. So to be fair, we can't say for sure no one told you this because if you listen to our podcast, our last episode was an interview with Robin Jones Gunn. And she talked about having contracted manuscripts that she turned in get rejected as unacceptable by her editors. And this was when she was a best-selling writer. But what I want to focus on here is the difference between how veteran writers and new writers handle this. The veteran writers understand that writing is a process and they roll up their sleeves and get to work. But sure, first, they probably react just like you. When I send the writers that I work with a revision letter, there's a line in there where I say, if you want to scream and yell and curse me and throw things at a picture of me, that's absolutely fine. Give yourself a set amount of time to do that. And then let's move forward in the work. So, yeah, they deal with all those same emotions. But then they take a step back, look at their experience, and that experience gives them confidence that they can make the changes. Right. But what I often see or see happen more regularly than I wish to newer writers is that that hard critique or edit confirms in their mind their worst fear. They have no talent and they shouldn't be writing. It's a mindset difference. The veteran writer says, I have work to do. The inexperienced writer says, I can't do the work. But really, the inexperienced writer just hasn't learned how to do the work yet. So trust God to equip you for whatever tasks he's given you. He's not going to abandon us. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So hear this again, guys. Even the best of writers get harsh critiques and difficult edits. Don't ever let receiving those kinds of edits and revision letters derail you. It's it's part of the process of writing. Just be ready for it because it's going to happen. No matter where you are in your writing journey, it's going to happen. What you need to focus on is asking God to help you to process it, to bounce back, and then to get better in your craft and to build your confidence in the writing that he's given you as a task or, you know, the rewriting process. Right. So, Number four on our list of stuff nobody might have told you is this. If you see a writer who seems to be doing an impossible amount of work, and you know the kind, right? They have books coming out regularly. They put perfect pictures on Instagram, thoughtful posts on Facebook, pithy, witty tweets on Twitter, and probably every other social media outlet. They have a robust newsletter list with like 25,000 email addresses, and they probably even have 10 children they're homeschooling, three obedient dogs, (laughs) and a nutritionally balanced dinner every night. 
Okay, here's the deal. If this writer truly exists, and that's debatable, what you probably haven't been told is that they have people to help them. They are not doing that alone. They delegate, they hire people, they enlist volunteers, they use services. They are, in fact, a business, and they manage that business. They don't and they can't do every aspect of that themselves. And guess what? This business did not develop overnight. It grew into an enterprise over time. So when you feel overwhelmed about all the things some established writers seem to be able to do, remember, that's a representation of an established business. And you're just one person. It's like comparing yourself to Coca-Cola. You can't do that and you can't beat that. But what you can do is figure out what you're good at and focus on that. You can lay the foundation for a future business if that's where God is taking you. You can learn to write the best books you can, slowly grow your newsletter, slowly engage people, make connections with assistants whose services you might want to use someday, learn about tools that can help you systemize your processes, make mistakes, change your mind, just Remember, you're sowing for a future harvest. Exactly. Now, some of you listeners, you might be more established writers, and what you're doing is finding yourself in the middle of chaos. You've been trying to do all of this on your own, and you're overwhelmed. For you guys, it's time to think about investing in help. What you do is you get to know yourself and what people like best from you. That's how you learn what you want to delegate, what you can delegate, and what you need to do yourself. What kinds of things need your personal touch? So set aside a portion of your writing income and reinvest it in finding help. Yes, I realize we just told you that that small income you're maybe getting from writing is about to get smaller. But honestly, that's something else. Probably no one ever told you about the writing journey. Whatever you think writers make, it's less. Okay. (laughs) So consider investing in someone to mow your lawn or answer your email or write your newsletters or invest in someone to make dinner or run your Amazon ads or train your dogs or whatever it is. And if you don't want to invest in your writing journey and your writing career right now, if you don't feel like God is leading you to do that, then that's okay. You know, but if that's the case, recognize it and be satisfied with where that decision puts you. Be satisfied with the type of writing journey that creates for you. Don't compare yourself to those who are doing more because remember they're enlisting help. And don't assume you can match what they're doing with just one person, you doing everything. The fifth thing no one may have told you is that you need more healthy habits than you realize. You want your writing commitments to fit in with your life, not take it over. So let me say that again, because it's so important. You want writing to fit in with your life, not drown it out until there's no room for anything else. And when we say habits, we're talking about healthy habits like proper rest, proper sleep. And by the way, those are two different things. Eating right, personal care, maybe exercising, nurturing your creativity, a good long soak in the bathtub when you need one. We're talking about healthy habits that help you deal with your family, your household obligations, your church obligations, your day job obligations, your writing obligations. And then don't forget the most important habits, the habits of seeking God, of revering Him, praying, and just sitting in awe of Him. 
So why are we stressing the idea of habit so much? Well, it's simple. These are or they become automatic. When you do them in a consistent way, you automatically turn to God when something goes wrong. You're conditioning yourself to do what's healthy and what's smart. So you automatically turn to God when something goes wrong or when something goes amazingly right and everything in between. Habits can become and should become non-negotiables. For example, you don't sacrifice your family time or your prayer time to write another chapter. Guys, it's just not smart. You understand the space you have in your life for writing and you, by developing healthy habits, keep it within that boundary. You know, we're not saying your whole life must be regulated and rigid and you have everything keyed into your phone so that at 2.32, you get the alarm to do this. And at 2.35, you get an alarm to do that. We're not talking about that. What we're saying is develop healthy habits because you want to do them without having to decide to do them. And that makes them take up less energy. Yeah, you can think of, as a metaphor, think of your brain's decision-making ability as a battery, okay? So each decision, no matter how big it is, uses some of the battery's charge. Anything from deciding on whether you want to go for that walk to whether you want to floss your teeth or whether you're going to have donuts or a healthy protein smoothie or whatever, these are all decisions and they all take energy, even the tiniest ones. Every decision you make on social media to click like or share or post or respond or whatever. They all take energy. And guess what? The more your battery runs down, the less capacity you have for self-control to make good decisions. And I'll link to an article about this in the show notes. Uh, and you can also read more about it in a book called Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. It's fascinating how this decision-making energy in your brain works. So if you have healthy habits in place, it's easier to maintain a life that reflects what you value. Even when things get busy, like saying maybe you suddenly get a writing contract, you know whether you can meet the deadline they want to give you because you already know what your writing habits are and how that fits in your life. And don't make sudden adjustments and convince yourself, of course, I can meet that unrealistic deadline because you will end up missing out on your healthy habits, developing unhealthy habits that damage you, your family, your life, and your ministry. And again, when things go wrong or become far more difficult than you anticipated or you're blindsided by temptations, remember, work on your habit to run to God, to trust in Him, to lean on Him so that that's automatic. Right. And you'll have done and keep doing what Psalm 1, 1 through 3 encourages us to do. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers." Meditating on God's Word day and night is a healthy habit, and it will serve you well. Of course, you guys all know no one is perfect, so don't try to be, but look around for ways that you can develop healthy habits to help you live the kind of life you want and be the kind of person you want to be, whether it's a parent, a writer, Christ follower, friend, whatever. Exactly. So we've told you five things no one else may have told you about this writing journey. You know there are more. You know that there are more that we haven't even discovered yet because we've been on it for a long time. But there's always new, interesting, frustrating, 
troubling, <laughs> challenging things to face when you're becoming a writer, when you're doing what God has given you the task to do. But here's the bottom line. No matter what you face, how wonderful or difficult, God is with you. I want you to stop and think about that for a second. God, Almighty God, who created everything that exists, that God is with you right now in everything you face. Whatever you're facing in this moment, He is there for you, and He's working in you to fulfill His good purpose that He has for you, that He has had for you from the beginning of time. You are his child. You are his masterpiece. And if you make healthy habits where you constantly turn to him and rely on him, you can take whatever comes your way. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. You can find previous episodes and more resources at writefromthedeep.com. And I bet you know someone who needs this podcast, so please share it with them. So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same.